Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Joining me now, former congressman from El Paso and 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, Beto O'Rourke. Uh, congressman O'Rourke, um, thank you for joining us on this horrible day for your community, our our Thoughts and prayers is such a cliche at this point, but we're all feeling the pain of what's going on in El Paso and in Dayton. Uh, have you learned anything new about what happened since you got back to El Paso yesterday? Thank you, Jake. Um, we're grieving right now for our fellow El Pasoans, and, and this community is also thinking about Dayton and the people there who have suffered such extraordinary loss. Um, came back yesterday and got to spend some time with some of the victims and their families. Uh, I'm seeing extraordinarily courageous people who have suffered the most grievous wounds and who have also uh, learned that it wasn't just one family member, it was two or three or more who were shot and in some cases who were killed. This community is coming together unlike any other time that I can remember. Um, donations of blood, donations of food, uh, just, just the love and the encouragement and the strength and, and the support in the face of a horrific mass killing. You know, El Paso will see on average 18 murders a year. That's the average over the last 10 years. We lost at least 20 people yesterday. And it, and it took someone coming from outside of this community of immigrants to come and bring their hatred and their death to, to El Paso. And in the face of that, uh, this community has shown just incredible strength and, and love and, and is more than a match for this. We, we will overcome this, uh, but, but something has to change. And, and one of the wives of one of the victims, uh, he had been selling um, things to, to raise money for the soccer team he coaches, shot in the chest. Uh, his wife asked me, why, why is this happening in our country right now? Why will this continue to happen? How do we, how do we change this? And, and Jake, I've got to tell you, in, in addition to universal background checks, in addition to ending the sales of, of weapons of war into our communities, in addition to red flag laws, we've got to acknowledge the hatred, the open racism that we're seeing. There's an environment of it in the United States. Uh, we see it on Fox News, we see it on the internet, but we also see it from our commander in chief. And he is encouraging this. He doesn't just tolerate it, he encourages it. Calling Mexican immigrants rapists and criminals, warning of an invasion at our border, um, seeking to ban all people of, of one religion, Folks are responding to this. It doesn't just offend us. It encourages the kind of violence that we're seeing, including in my hometown of El Paso yesterday. So I, I, I want to talk about that in a second, but I do want to show this picture of you visiting with a victim uh, named Rose, uh, Rosemary, um, who you said was shot in the chest, but she is doing well after surgery. Obviously, we want to bring as much attention um, to uh, the victims of this uh, as much as possible. So I, I do want to talk about how we can stop it in one second, but if you could tell me about that moment meeting Rosemary? You know, I'd, I'd met her son on the flight back from Las Vegas. He approached me on the airplane, told me that he'd just learned that his mother had been shot in the chest. His grandmother had been shot in the stomach. His uh, great aunt had also 
been shot. He was flying back to El Paso, um, and uh, he asked if, if I would join him by going to University Medical Center, where I met Rosemary. Um, both of her lungs punctured, um, her lungs being drained as I was talking to her, big smile on her face, just extraordinary courage. Uh, not only was she shot, but, but her mom, her aunt was also shot, her family around her, these extraordinary caregivers at University Medical Center, nurses who had been working 12, 14 hours uh, already, doctors who'd been seeing uh, multiple patients with multiple gunshot wounds, um, just um, really moved me and, and makes me so incredibly proud of Rosemary, her family, uh, families all across El Paso right now who should never have to demonstrate this kind of courage and yet nonetheless are, are doing so. Um, met families who, who have not heard from a family member and, and fear the worst, have called Del Sol Medical Center, have called UMC, don't know where their mom or dad are, fear that they are one of the, the at least 20 who, who are dead already um, and, and are resolved to ensure that this changes. And, and I heard that from so many people yesterday. They, they want this to change. This cannot be the normal for the United States of America. And I know this community is going to do everything within our power to make sure that it is not. So, um, Congressman, you wrote on Twitter and said publicly in El Paso, President Trump's racism does not just offend our sensibilities. It fundamentally changes the character of this country and it leads to violence. Um, now, the document that this terrorist in El Paso that law enforcement is investigating whether or not he actually posted this document, which refers to Latinos coming to the country as an invasion, which, as you noted, is um, uh, language that we've heard from, from the president of the United States. It also says, uh, and I know, you know, it, it's hard to make sense of, of any of this stuff, but it also says that um, he had this ideology before President Trump. He kind of anticipated, assuming this document's real, the alleged terrorist... Um, anticipated that people would, would blame President Trump for it and said, uh, I felt this way before President Trump. I don't know the, the point that you're trying to make here, Jake, but it, it's pretty obvious to me and anyone who's listened to the president and will look at the facts that his anti-immigrant rhetoric, uh, not just the things that I cited, but calling asylum seekers animals or an infestation. Now, you might describe a cockroach or termites as an infestation, something less than human. You might hear someone in the Third Reich describe uh, a given people based on their characteristic as an infestation or subhuman. But that's what the president of the United States is doing right now. And it's not just with Mexican immigrants conflating Congresswoman Ilhan Omar with the terrorists from 9-11, um, encouraging that chanting in North Carolina of, of send her back. Um, let's not mince words right now. This president is encouraging greater racism and, and not just the racist rhetoric, but, but the violence that so often follows. Um, this shooter in the manifesto cites in part for his inspiration, the shooter in Christchurch, New Zealand, who cites Donald Trump as, as his inspiration. Um, th this anti-immigrant rhetoric, and, and again, it is not just President Trump, but he's certainly as the person in the position of greatest public trust in power, most responsible for it. This is Fox News. This is what we're seeing on the internet. This is the, the toleration of intolerance and hatred and racism in this country. This is what is causing what we are seeing here today. And it will continue to happen unless we call it out and unless we change it. 
The FBI director, Christopher Wray, has warned Congress about the increasing threat of white supremacy in the past. I want you to take a listen to something that FBI Director Ray Ray said in April of this year. We've seen uh, an increase in uh, the reporting of hate crimes and the FBI's own number of hate crime cases have increased. The danger, I think, uh, of white supremacist uh, violent extremism or any other kind of violent extremism um, is, of course, significant. Uh, We assess that it's a persistent, uh, pervasive threat. If the kinds of shootings we've seen in El Paso uh, or in California, uh, in which the individual there was suspected to have uh, white supremacist ideology, uh, and other white supremacist murders, uh, the Tree of Life Synagogue in in Pittsburgh, and on and on. If those were Muslim men committing those crimes, how do you think Congress would be reacting as opposed to the fact that it is white supremacists committing these crimes? They weren't Muslim men committing those I know, crimes. I know, I know. I don't that's, know that's, how Congress... That, that, my, my point but, is, so, so is there not a double standard here? Let's focus on what the problem is. They're, they're that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Well, yeah, well, so, but let's, let's focus on the problem that the FBI director has called out to members of Congress and to this country. We, we have a problem with white nationalist terrorism in the United States of America today. So, so I, don't, I don't want to to confuse people about what is going on or use a hypothetical about what if this was somebody else from from a different background or or profile. These are white men motivated by the kind of fear that this president traffics in. You know, the mosque in Victoria, Texas, was burned to the ground on the same day that President Trump signed his order attempting to ban Muslim travel to the United States of America. When he says after Charlottesville that Klansmen and white supremacists and neo-Nazis are very fine people, uh, the commander in chief is sending a very public signal to the rest of this country about what is permissible and in fact even what he encourages to happen. So, So let's connect the dots here on what is happening and why it is happening and who is responsible for this right now and the fact that it's gonna take all of us, Republicans, Democrats, independents alike, rising up, standing up to be counted uh, against what this president is doing, against this white nationalist racism, against this violence and getting this country back. They are saying that our differences are in fact dangerous. If you're a Muslim, you're, you're inherently dangerous. If you are uh, an immigrant, you are inherently dangerous. If you are an asylum seeker, you are invading this country, you are an infestation. Um, those words have very real consequences. You don't get mass shootings like these. You don't torch mosques. You don't put kids in cages until you have a president who's given people permission to do that. And that's exactly what's happening in the United States of America today. Just to be clear, I'm not trying to confuse anybody. I, I, was, re- I was trying to point out that there seems a glaring double standard in how law enforcement and Congress talks about these incidents. These are, these are white supremacist terrorist acts over and over and over in which people are being murdered. Uh, and I was trying to offer a hypothetical. If it were a different group, I feel like it would be a red alarm, you know, fire, a four alarm fire. Uh, but but l- let me move on, because during um, one of the debates, uh, your 2020 opponent, uh, Governor Jay Inslee of Washington, said that President Trump is a, quote, white nationalist. That was a fairly stark accusation. Do you agree with that? Do you think President Trump is a white nationalist? Yes, I, I do. And again, 
uh, from some of the record that I just recited to you, the, the things that he has said, both as a, a candidate uh, and then as the president of the United States, this cannot be uh, open for, for debate. And, and you, as well as I, have a responsibility to call that out, to make sure that the American people understand what is being done in their name by the person who holds the highest position of public trust in this land. He, he does not even pretend to respect our differences or to uh, understand that we are all created equal. He is saying that some people are inherently defective or dangerous, reminiscent of something that you might hear in the Third Reich, not something that you expect in the United States of America based on their religion, based on their sexual orientation, based on their immigration status, based on the countries that they come from, calling those in Africa shithole nations and saying that he'd like to have more immigration from Nordic countries, the whitest place on planet Earth today. So, so again, let's be very clear about what is causing this and who the president is. He is an open, avowed racist and is encouraging more racism in this country. And this is uh, incredibly dangerous for the United States of America right now. All of us have a responsibility to stand up and be counted on this issue. You went home to El Paso yesterday after the shooting to spend some time uh, with your wife and your children. There are a lot of parents across the country right now trying to talk to their kids about this or even debating whether or not they should tell their kids about it. What did you tell your kids about what happened in El Paso? I was uh, laying down with my youngest, Henry, who is eight years old, um, and he was asking me question after question after question about why this is, this is happening. Um, for him, and, and really frankly for me, it is so hard to believe that this happened in El Paso. It's, it's one of the safest places in, in America and, and safe in large part because of, of our differences. A quarter of those with whom we live were born somewhere else, chose this country, made us better by their presence. Why, why is this happening here? Why would somebody come to our community? Uh, I don't know how he got here, but it's a, it's a 10, 11, 12 hour drive to come here in, in order to do this. Um, you know, some of this uh, I've explained to you in, 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 in uh, terms of what our president has done in terms of this environment of racism in, in this country. Really hard, though, for a, a child to understand why anyone would do this to, to anyone else. But my responsibility, your responsibility, is to make this better for Henry and for the generations that, that follow ours. They need to know that, that we knew exactly what was happening. And in the face of that, we stood up and did the right thing. And, and I'm 100 percent focused on doing that right now. All right. Former Congressman Beto O'Rourke from his home city of El Paso, a city that is grieving today. Um, good luck to you and, and your fellow citizens. Um, it is a horrible day, and we're all thinking about you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jake. Joining me now, New Jersey Democratic Senator Cory Booker. Senator Booker, um, I'd say good, mo good morning, but it's not a good morning. Um, two shootings in less than 13 hours, 29 people killed, 42 people injured or wounded. Uh, what was your reaction when you heard about the El Paso shooting and then you wake up and hear about Dayton? Uh, first of all, the horror of it. Um, having been the mayor of a big city, you know the horrors of mass shootings and what it does. And so my, first and foremost, obviously, your, your thoughts and prayers are with all of the victims, the families who've lost people, the people who now have months, years of, of recovery. But you also know that thoughts and prayers are, are not enough. And uh, I turn my attention to the person who is 
uh, leading this country, who is, in my opinion, in this moral moment, who is failing. And I think that at the end of the day, especially because this was a white supremacist manifesto, uh, that I want to say with more moral clarity that Donald Trump is responsible for this. He's responsible because he is stoking uh, fears and hatred and bigotry. He is responsible because he's failing to condemn white supremacy and see it as it is, which is responsible for such a significant amount of the terrorist attacks. He's responsible because he is president of the United States and has failed to do anything significant to stop the mass availability of weapons to people who intend to do harm. And lastly, he's responsible because leaders take responsibility. We are responsible for each other in this culture, in this society, and, and our president in the highest moral position in the land should be taking responsibility in this painful, difficult moment and coming forward and telling us what he will do to address hate, to address white supremacy, to address the availability of guns, to address this mass violence. His talking about the cowardice of others uh, is more of a reflection of his failure to take responsibility and cowardice in a time that we need courageous leadership. Now, the, the, the screed, the, the document that the law enforcement is currently looking into about whether or not this terrorist, this white supremacist in El Paso wrote it, um, he, he uses the language that we've heard from the president in terms of calling migrants coming into this country an invasion. It's in the second sentence of this manifesto or screed, uh, which is obviously something that President Trump has said. But, but the, the shooter also said that he uh, thought this way and had these beliefs before President Trump, and that President Trump is not responsible. Um, I don't know how you make sense of any of this, but, but what did you think when you, when you saw that? Well, a mass murderer who's trafficking in hatred and bigotry, um, all, all, literally trying to give some kind of exculpatory evidence, uh, uh, reaction to the president. I mean, come on. Our president right now is using the same language of racism, of bigotry, and white supremacy. The way this president is talking about immigrants, the way he's talking about minorities in this country, these are the words that are used by the kind of folks that, that are in the darkest corners of the internet, and, and as we see in this terrorist attack, uh, the kind of people that uh, uh, ultimately manifest that hatred and violence. And for him not to take responsibility for that is a moral failing. And, and for him not to understand his failure to condemn it or see the seriousness, the majority of terrorist attacks since 9-11 have been white right-wing extremists. The majority of those have been white supremacists. And we have a president that not only is failing to call out white supremacy, who in Charlottesville tried to create a savagely false uh, uh, equivalency, but, but he himself is using the language of hate on a regular basis to talk about Congress people, to condemn urban places, to talk about immigrants. He is responsible in his language and he is fueling and giving license to this kind of hate in our country. There's this theory, I think it's called scatastic terrorism, which is the idea of a leader using the mass media to demonize a particular group, whether it's Jews or immigrants or whomever, and then what appears to be lone wolf, individual psychotics attacking that one group, uh, where the individual attack is not predictable, but the general trend of it is predictable, 
because of the amplification of the bigotry. And it sounds like you are saying not to be using, you're not using the clinical term of, of, of uh, scotastic terrorism, but it sounds like you are in a way holding President Trump responsible for some of these individual acts, whether it's the Tree of Life synagogue shooting or, or El Paso. Jake, I just want to continue to speak in this time with moral clarity. We, we are a nation where we, as the poet says, we are each other's bond. We are each other's magnitude. We belong to each other. And we have a president of the United States who is savagely fraying the bonds of our nation by speaking consistently words of hatred, words of division, words of demonization and demagoguery. He is fueling a climate that is tearing at the fabric and fueling an environment where, where, where white supremacists and, and people who have ill will are, are finding more and more license to strike out against the vulnerable, to strike out against the immigrant, uh, to strike out against, quote unquote, the other. This is a moral moment in our country, and our president is failing in his moral role to unite this nation, to heal, to bring about the best uh, of humanity in America. And so he is responsible for what is going on and is doing nothing, nothing to stop the carnage and the chaos, nothing in terms of gun legislation, nothing in terms of, 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 of taking steps against white supremacy that we should take, nothing in terms of the kind of rhetoric that elevates, that brings together, that bonds. Instead, he is ripping at our nation. He is tearing people down. He is tearing us apart. This is a moral moment, and he is failing this nation. And what we saw in this last 24 hours, he must be held responsible. Let's talk about the bold, ambitious, uh, overreaching, depending on one's point of view, I suppose, uh, gun control plan that, that you have said you would pursue as president. Um, as you know, the Senate has been reluctant to take up any gun legislation in the wake of mass shootings, uh, including after 20 little children were killed at Sandy Hook, uh, whether it's universal background checks or red flag laws. What are you proposing that you think you could actually get through the Senate? And I'm sorry to, to, to put it, because you're talking about morality, and I totally appreciate that on, on a morning like this. But there also is the, you know, there's morality, and then there's what can get through the Senate. Well, again, remember, Strom Thurmond, longest filibuster in Senate history, was to try to stop civil rights legislation. But we were this nation that when people died, whether it was a shirtwaist factory fire, we changed laws in the Senate in response to women throwing themselves out windows, dying to their death in those, in those sweatshops. We were a nation that overcame filibusters in the Senate when four girls were killed in a bombing. We responded. And so now here we are in a moral moment again. And, and, and it's not for girls or the horrific deaths of women. This is mass shooting after mass shooting before we can even bury our dead, another one happens. And so you wanna know about a president that will take responsibility? Don't tell me what can't get done. I, the Senate is a replete with a history of things that could not pass, but then did. What we need is a leader who is going to have a bold and ambitious plan. And let me tell you, I make no bones about it. I challenge everyone in the Democratic primary race to, to have, to join me on common sense things like gun licensing. If in this country you need a license to drive 
a car. You should need a license to buy and possess a firearm. States that have done that have seen dramatic drops in shootings. And the problem is right now, as we saw recently in Gilroy, and, and, the, and Gavin Newsom spoke to this, the governor of California, that we now have a reality where because laws are actually getting strict in some states, the way these mass shooters get their weapons that go to the neighboring state with less laws. We need to stop this patchwork of laws in our country that endangers people everywhere. We need to have a federal policy of gun licensing, of, of, of one handgun a month, of the kind of things I put out in my plan that are evidence-based, that will drive down shootings, will end this nightmare of the kind of carnage we're seeing. And I challenge every Democrat to, to stand up in this moral moment and say that I will do what is necessary to protect folks. And by the way, we will, how will I get that done? The same way we've gotten big things done all the time is having leaders, number one, are willing to stand up and put forth a bold vision, a dream, uh, where this country should go, and then muster the moral majority, muster the, 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 the majorities in Congress to get mm -hmm. it done. That's the kind of leader I'll be. Last question, sir, and that is, the mass shootings shock us and they horrify us. Uh, 20 people killed in El Paso, nine people killed in Dayton. But as you know better than I, being the mayor of Newark, most gun deaths are not from mass shootings. Most gun deaths are not from semi-automatic weapons. Most, mass, most gun deaths, in terms of homicides, uh, are from handguns, and they're individuals like the people that you invoke, the victims on the street in Newark. Um, how would your gun legislation prevent those, the ones that don't get the media attention because they're they're one-offs, they're incidents that take place in the inner city, and, and frankly, because they're individual and because it takes place in high crime areas, the media doesn't pay as much attention to it. Well, well Jake, that's why this is such a personal issue for me, and this is why I feel so driven. Because when mass shooting to mass shooting, as, as frequent as they're getting, where we barely even have a time to, to uh, digest one in our, in, our, in, our, in our gut, we see another one happen, but the reality is, in communities like mine, you know, you see these happening with chilling frequency every day in America, 100 people dying uh, due to gun violence. And for me, having seen a child, teenager bleed out, trying vainly to stop them from bleeding, seeing shrines on street corners with teddy bears and candles to children killed, going to the, the perversion of, of a funeral where parents are burying their children. This is what drives me on this issue and why uh, I'm gonna use every moment of this presidential campaign and God willing in my presidency to drive this point home. Uh, we need full measures, full-throated commitment to deal with this uniquely American problem. What Americans need to know is this does not happen in any way, in any way in other countries, unless they're in war that we've had more people die in this nation in the last 50 years due to this gun violence crisis than all of our wars combined from the Revolutionary War to the wars in the Middle East. This is a uniquely American problem, but I believe we can solve it with that unique American spirit that just says enough. We are going to do the things we know that can protect our families and our communities and our houses of worship and our concerts and our malls. We have to stop this before it visits mm -hmm. upon your community. This is a time for moral courage. It is a time for more courageous empathy. Mm -hmm. We need leaders that take responsibility.
All right, Senator Cory Booker, Democrat of New Jersey, thanks for joining us on this, this tough day. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Joining me now to respond to this horrible news, 2020 presidential candidate, South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Mayor Buttigieg, uh, thanks for joining us on this, on this rough day. Uh, these two shootings, El Paso, Dayton, they're some of the deadliest mass shootings in our country's history. Between them, they've left at least 29 innocent people dead, 42 injured in a 13-hour span. Do you think this is actually going to spur lawmakers into action? Well, every time this happens, we say never again. We say we're going to do something. We say it's going to change. And it hasn't. I've been thinking a lot about the fact that this same debate and this same cycle has been going on my entire adult life. And I'm wondering what it will take to get the sense of urgency to get Washington to actually respond, especially when Americans frankly, in both parties, want to see changes, at least some basic common sense measures on gun safety, not to mention the need to stand up to white nationalist terrorism. And we got to call that what it is if we're going to fight it. Uh, it. I wonder what it will take to deliver the sense of urgency. After Sandy Hook, we said surely after this. Uh, and time and time again, this has happened. Uh, at the end of the day, without political change, I don't know that we'll get the solutions we need, but uh, if it if this doesn't do it, I don't know what will. You have a, a personal connection to the mall where the massacre in El Paso took place. What, what was your emotional reaction when you first heard the news of that shooting? When I heard the, heard the word Cielo Vista, I thought about being a teenager, being excited that my grandma was going to take me to the mall because we used to visit every summer. And you know, I just think of it as, a, as Americans should be able to think of, of, of shopping malls as either a place to go grab something or a place that teenagers look forward to going to. And instead, it's a place where Americans were murdered in a terrorist attack. Uh, and, and it's happening all over. I mean, to go from El Paso El Paso to Dayton in a matter of hours. And meanwhile, to continue to deal with the fact that uh, we lose so many lives one at a time to gun violence on a daily basis around the country, including in my hometown. Uh, we cannot continue accepting the unacceptable as if nothing could be done. We are the only country in the developed world where this happens routinely. And, and we, we rub, rub, rub our hands as though there was some cosmic force. This is the consequence of policy failures. It's time to act. Uh, there's still so much we don't know about both of these shootings. Your gun safety plan calls for a variety of measures um, from banning military-style semi-automatic rifles to establishing a, a nationwide gun licensing system. Um, I know I don't have to, listen to, to list for you the mass casualty atrocities that have led Democrats to push time and time again for, for far legislation far less sweeping than what you're proposing, just closing uh, the gun show loophole, for example, legislation that every time fails. Um, is there a proposal you have to end these mass shootings or at least curtail them that you think could get through the U.S. Senate? Here's the thing. In America, things are impossible until they happen. And time and time again, to talk of something hopeful, uh, we have seen policy breakthroughs around issue after issue in this country. It's time for gun safety to be that issue where the impossible became possible. And by the way, how can it be impossible, at least to deliver something like universal background checks, 90% of Americans, most Republicans, most gun owners want to see happen. Either this Senate needs to respond to the American people or this Senate needs to be replaced, not to mention the need for a president who will actually do something about gun safety in this country and do something about standing up to white nationalist terror. I can just tell you as a journalist, I have literally 
<clears throat> pardon me, I've literally been covering the debate over closing the gun show loophole since you were in high school. I mean, I, I remember covering it in 1999 and interviewing Senator John McCain when he said he was going to support closing the gun show loophole. And, and even that couldn't get through the U.S. Senate. Uh, there's a tweet out there. I forget who wrote it. Some that says something along the lines of the, the moment that this country decided that it was acceptable for 20 first and second graders to be massacred at Sandy Hook was the moment this country decided that it was not going to do gun control no matter what. Look, at the beginning of this decade, it was considered preposterous that somebody like me could be married by the end of this decade, uh, at least in my state of Indiana. Uh, We have to believe in the possibility of political change, but we also have to hold our leaders accountable when they fail to deliver it. And this isn't just a policy issue. This is a cultural issue. This is a question of how we handle responsible gun ownership. Uh, You know, here's something to think about this Sunday morning. Uh, Is a gun a tool or is it an idol? Uh, You know, anytime I've carried or handled a weapon, whether it was in Afghanistan for self-defense or whether it was to go skeet shooting or hunting, uh, I viewed it as a tool. But if the gun corporation lobby, which is what the NRA is, now has people viewing guns as a thing to be loved, a thing to be protected, a thing that is a source of our freedom and power, and a thing to which we are willing to sacrifice human life. Isn't that the definition of a false god? We've got to change our thinking. We can absolutely honor uh, Second Amendment rights for responsible gun owners without shooting down even the most basic common sense measures to save American lives including our children, or we can fail yet again. The choice is right in front of us. The question is whether we're serious about this or not. Uh, We can't go on like this. Uh, I was part of what I feel like was the first generation where school shootings were routine. Now we've seen a second. Are we really going to allow there to be a third, or are we going to be proud of what we've done by five, ten years from now? You know, on the current track we're on, we already have more guns than people in this country. Uh, But they're saying by 2030, there will be 130 million more guns on the street. We could tell our kids by 2030 that we finally changed, or we could let it be one of those issues that we just accept the unacceptable for as long as we live. At the beginning of this interview, you talked about how there were two dimensions to this, the, the gun laws and the white supremacist ideology. Let's turn to the white supremacist ideology, if you could. Uh, police are investigating this document, uh, this screed filled with white nationalist and racist hatred uh, towards uh, Latinos and immigrants. Uh, They believe it to be written by the alleged terrorist in El Paso, Texas. Now, you said in response to the El Paso massacre, quote, America is under attack from homegrown white nationalist terrorism. You also referenced 9-11 inspiring your generation into action, and you called for similar action once again. Um, Why do you think there is a reluctance in the Congress and in the FBI to label and investigate white supremacist terrorism, which is what we're seeing, Uh, in a way that there is no reluctance to condemn other forms of terrorism, Islamist or or other kinds? I think it's because our politicians are embarrassed. Uh, Certainly our White House is embarrassed. You know, there's a parallel between the failure to keep our elections safe from Russian interference, because acknowledging that that's a problem would be embarrassing to this president who benefited from it, and the fact that confronting white nationalist terrorism would be embarrassing to a president who helped stoke many of these feelings in this country to begin with. But it's time to turn the page. It's time to move on and actually do something. You know, this administration actually cut funding 
for homeland security programs on countering violent extremism uh, and has, as far as I can tell, not produced any kind of national strategy on far-right terrorism. After 9-11, we swore up and down we were going to be different. We said this was going to change us. Being attacked by terrorists was going to make us better than we were. What about this time? Is being attacked by terrorists now, homegrown white nationalist terrorists, going to make us better? Or are we going to allow those terrorists to make us worse and, and more divided? The choice is ours, but it requires leadership. And we are emphatically not getting that leadership from this White House or from congressional Republicans. Now, if the White House is beyond redemption, so be it. But congressional Republicans have a choice. Every member of Congress right now and the Senate uh, in the Republican Party, I believe, knows better. <laughs> At least some of them know better. And one of the reasons I think so many of them are leaving is because they don't have the heart to stay, but they don't have the courage to stand up to the current reality. If there was ever a time for that to change, it's now. Well, what is the current reality? Uh, Congressman Beto O'Rourke and Governor Jay Inslee have said that they think President Trump is a white nationalist. Do you? Yeah, I mean, at best, he's condoning and encouraging white nationalism. Look, uh, when you got people chanting Jews will not replace us in the streets of Charlottesville and somebody gets killed in an act of terror and the president sees very fine people there. We have a president who made his career politically on demonizing Mexicans. And now we're seeing reports that the shooter yesterday had his goal as killing as many Mexicans as possible. Uh, you don't have to use a lot of imagination to connect the dots here. It is very clear that this kind of hate is being legitimized from on high. And if that were not true, the president would be acting and speaking very, very differently than what he's doing right now. One last question. Um, the alleged shooter in El Paso uh, could be facing the death penalty uh, in Texas. Um, and this seems like the kind of example of a case where, you know, you probably could get very strong support for somebody like this, a, a, a white nationalist, assuming he's found guilty in a court of law, a white nationalist, white supremacist, murdering innocent people because of their race or the color of their skin. Um, but you don't support capital punishment. Would you would you oppose it in this case as well? If you're against it, then you're against it. And of course, we can find cases of heinous situations people perhaps who deserve to die. I've just never met anybody who deserves to kill. All right. Fair enough. Mayor Pete Buttigieg, thank you for joining us. Horrible day. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Now I want to bring in the former HUD secretary and the former mayor of San Antonio and the only Latino in the 2020 presidential field. Uh, joining me now, presidential candidate, Secretary Julian Castro. Um, secretary Castro, thanks for joining us on this horrible morning. Uh, tell us how you reacted when you learned about these horrific mass murders. I think like all other Americans, they're heartbroken. Uh, I have a family. I can only imagine what the families in El Paso and in Dayton this morning are going through. And I also think, like many people, um, it is infuriating to see another two mass shootings when we average a mass shooting a day now in the United States. And we know what we need to do to change as a country. Uh, I think I have both of those feelings this morning. Well, what, what do we need to do to change as a country? What can be done to, if not stop this, at least curtail it? We need to do a whole slew of things, uh, from ensuring that we have universal background checks, to limiting the capacity of magazines, uh, to ensuring that we have red flag laws out there that are able to catch uh, individuals who may represent a danger to themselves or to other people 
we also need a renewed assault weapons ban so that these semi-automatic weapons, uh, these weapons of war, are not out there on the streets. Uh, you know, and most Americans, I believe, support these kinds of measures, but because of the inaction of Congress, of politicians who listen to special interests instead of listening to the American people, we haven't made the progress that we should. Let's talk about the El Paso shooting in your home state. Law enforcement officials are right now investigating a document that they believe was written by the alleged shooter, the alleged terrorist. And this document is, is filled with white nationalist and racist hatred towards immigrants, specifically Hispanics. You would be the first Latino man ever elected president. I don't know if you read the document or, or have read about it, but I'm wondering what your reaction is. Just, uh, I did have a chance to, to read through um, the manifesto, and I mean, this is something that uh, represents the complete opposite of the country that I know and the state of Texas that I know. What's special about a place like El Paso and a city like San Antonio that I'm from are that now for generations, it has been a bicultural place where people of different backgrounds get along. Uh, they go to church together, uh, they go to school together, they live near one another. Uh, you know, there is a lot of um, you know, camaraderie, a sense of community. It's so different from the picture that that, that shooter was, was painting of what we can become in the United States. And uh, I know that his dark heart does not reflect what's in the hearts of the vast majority of Americans, no matter what their background is. And this is another example of the hate, the bigotry that we have to reject. It also points to the fact that we need leadership at every level in our public and private life that is encouraging people to understand each other, to have compassion and respect for one another, and to appreciate our differences instead of to fuel bigotry and hate and division. Your um, campaign rival and fellow Texan, former Congressman Beto O'Rourke, said, quote, President Trump's racism does not just offend our sensibilities, it fundamentally changes the character of this country and it leads to violence. Uh, you haven't gone that far this morning. Uh, do you think that Congressman O'Rourke is saying something that's unfair? Do you see any sort of link between the comments the president makes and this kind of violence? What do you think? Well, I believe that President Trump is making it worse. Look, uh, uh, you know, the person that is responsible for this shooting is the shooter. At the same time, if you're in a position of leadership, you set the tone for the country. And there is no question that this president is setting a tone of division and fanning the flames of bigotry and of hate. And you know, he's not making it any better, he's making it worse. And so uh, I do believe that President Trump himself, I hope that personally the events of the last 24 hours will cause him to reflect on the kind of president that he has been and what he wants for this country so that as he goes forward, uh, he can try and unify the country more than he has. Uh, sometimes for some people, and I believe this goes for the president, 
Division is a political strategy. Bigotry is a way of stirring some people up so that they'll vote for you. That's dangerous. President Trump condemned the shooting in El Paso. He called it a, quote, hateful act and an act of cowardice. Um, What's your response to that? Is that enough? The president needs to be quicker um, in the future to routinely condemn the type of hate that we see in this country and to refrain from stirring up that kind of bigotry, whether it's at those rallies uh, or after what happened in Charlottesville. You know, this president has been um, terrible when it comes to trying to bring us together as Americans. Four of the 10 deadliest mass shootings in modern American history took place in your home state of Texas. Um, 26 people were killed at the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs in 2017. 23 killed at Luby's Cafeteria in 1991. 18 killed at the University of Texas in 1966. Now 20 people killed in El Paso. What do you make of that fact that almost half of the most deadly shootings in the United States in modern American history have happened in your home state of Texas? The NRA for years has said that the answer to these mass shootings is more guns, that a good guy with a gun is the answer. But I'll tell you, Jake, think about this, and I hope that your viewers will think about this. We're in Texas. Uh, That shooter went into a situation where people routinely carry guns. Concealed carry is allowed here. Open carry is allowed here. Campus carry is allowed here. He knew that he was going into a Walmart with one or 2,000 people in it. Certainly people are packing. That didn't deter him. That didn't deter him at all. And it didn't keep those people safe. Your fellow um, presidential candidate, Cory Booker, suggested that even 2020 candidates who don't support his gun licensing plan, requiring every gun owner in America to get a license the same way uh, drivers would get a driver's license, that if you don't support it, you're part of the problem. Do you support gun licensing? And if not, how do you respond to Senator Booker? I do think that we have to strengthen our laws when it comes to knowing who has these guns, uh, when they're sold, who do they change hands into. And so, you know, I think that Cory Booker uh, has a good point about having more information about who has these guns. But we also have to combine that with uh, things like red flag laws that give courts the ability to take guns out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them in the first place. Uh, people who represent a danger to themselves or to somebody else. Secretary Castro, thanks so much for joining us today on this horrible Sunday. Uh, We appreciate your time, sir. Thank you. Joining me now from Las Vegas, Nevada, is Democratic presidential candidate and California Senator Kamala Harris. Uh, Senator Harris, uh, I would say good morning. It's obviously not a good morning. Um, What is your reaction to the, the mass shootings in El Paso yesterday, and then you wake up to find out what happened in Dayton, Ohio, earlier today? Well, that's exactly it. Went to sleep just mourning the tragedy of it. And um, and frankly, really, it's it's a combination of feelings, um, none of which, of course, match the feelings of the families of those victims. But the the sadness, the frustration and frankly, the anger, Jake, um, because we can do something about this. And and so you put that fact right, that we actually can do something And you combine that with the fact that our children are right now living in fear. 
like seriously living in fear. Our children are going to school every day, elementary, middle, high school students, having to have a drill where they are taught about how they have to crouch in a corner or hide in a closet in the event that there is a mass shooter roaming the hallways of their school. If you talk to our children, they will tell you they are afraid to go to school. They sit in a classroom and they should be paying attention to a teacher and learning the wonders of math or science or music. But half their brain is aware that somebody might walk through that back door carrying an assault weapon. So it's just, it's tragic on so many levels, but the frustration that I feel comes from knowing that there actually is action we can take. Well, what is that action? That will have an impact on this. Let's talk about that, that, because you've laid out a number of executive orders and executive actions that you would take as president. Yes, I have. And what are they? Well, but let me tell you why. Because we don't lack for good ideas. There are all kinds of good ideas. I've had some, plenty of my friends and colleagues who are running for president have some great ideas. I'm supporting them. We don't lack for good ideas. We lack for action. So, yes, when elected, I am prepared to take executive action if Congress doesn't pull its act together. I will give, after being elected, the United States Congress 100 days to pull it together, put a bill on my desk for signature, and if they do not, I will take executive action and do three things in particular. I'll put in place a comprehensive background check. Why? Because it's just logical that you might want to know before someone can buy a lethal weapon if they've been found by a court to be a danger to themselves or others. You might just want to know before somebody can buy a gun if they have been found by a court to be guilty of committing a violent crime. So background checks. I'm going to require that we put resources into ATF so they can take the licenses of gun dealers who break the law. Do you know that up to 90% of the guns associated with crime are sold by just 5% of the gun dealers? We need to take their licenses. And then the third piece is by executive action, I'll put in place a ban on the importation of assault weapons into our country. Because we got to get this under control. And again, it's within our ability to act. And I know there been, there's been a lot of conversation this morning about many things. But, you know, the, the reality is that we are not without hope on this issue. We're without action. And, you know, leaders got to lead. And in particular, when our babies, when our children are living in fear. And they are. So... Law enforcement officials are investigating um, this document, this screed that they believe was written by the suspected terrorist who who conducted the El Paso massacre. It's filled with white nationalist, white supremacist, racist hatred towards immigrants, specifically towards Hispanics. You're a former prosecutor. Um, Was this a hate crime? Was this an act of domestic terrorism, assuming that the document is right? What's your take on the legality of it? Based on everything I know, yes, and yes, and yes. Hate crime and act of domestic terrorism. And on that point, you know, I'm in Las Vegas, as you mentioned. Um, I did a big rally last night. Las Vegas experienced, you know, one October, which was the deadliest mass shooting in recent history. A couple days before I was in Colorado, and, of course, Columbine happened there. And then in, in my home state of, of, of California, Gilroy. And, and so let's talk about it. When we're talking about domestic terrorism, um, we also have to recognize that under this administration, 
They have not been putting the resources into investigating and dealing with these cases as they are, what they are, which is, to your point, domestic terrorism. And so there also has to be some accountability by this administration to take these cases seriously and call them what they are. And this is where we also have to acknowledge that we have a president of the United States who uses the microphone, which is probably one of the most powerful tools in the hand of the president of the United States, and uses that microphone in a way that is about sowing hate and division in our country, in a way that is about not acknowledging domestic terrorism when it occurs, and in a way that is highly irresponsible and not a reflection of the values and the morals of who we are as the American people. President Trump condemned the shooting in El Paso as a, quote, hateful act and an act of cowardice. Um, your 2020 opponent, Congressman Beto O'Rourke, told me this morning uh, he believes President Trump is not only encouraging racist rhetoric or, or engaging in racist rhetoric, but is also responsible for racist violence because he is creating this atmosphere. Do you agree? What role, if any, do you see uh, the president playing when it comes to this? Obviously, the shooter is responsible for the shooting, but in terms of the environment right. of hatred, right. what's your view of that? Yeah. Well, my view is, is, is pretty simple and direct, which is there is a consequence to the words that the president of the United States speaks. And when she uses the microphone in a way that is about elevating public discourse and speaking to our better selves and our higher angels, there will be a consequence for that as well. We have a current president of the United States who does not understand the responsibility that comes with the office, which is to be a leader on every level, including encouraging, challenging us to be our best selves. Instead, we have an occupant of the White House in Donald Trump who completely and continuously goes to the lowest common denominator. So, yes, I do believe there is consequence to his words. Your fellow senator and 2020 opponent, Cory Booker, said he was frustrated that some of his fellow candidates do not support his plans for gun licensing, gun licensing pardon me, and he's calling on his opponents to support it. You said uh, you agree with lots of your uh, competitors' ideas. Is that one of them? Do you support federal gun licensing? Uh, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. But you again, Jake, my issue is, I, I do, I think it's a great idea. There are a lot of great ideas. And, and, and this is not about Corey. It's about the, just the fact of it. We have not lacked for great ideas. This has been going on for far too long. You can go back to the reason that we had the Brady Bill. You can go back to President Reagan being shot. You can go back to, you know, in my backyard in San Francisco, 101, California. We are not lacking for good ideas. We are lacking for Congress to have the courage to act. And listen, and I, I want to say something else that I think is really, really important to also acknowledge and recognize. Those children who are having those drills are not registered with any political party and could give a you-know-what about what party you or I are registered with to vote. They are scared. Those victims of these crimes, their families will mourn them not through the identity of the party with which they were registered to vote. This is ridiculous that Congress has simply not had the courage to stand up and have the spine to say, hey, it's a false choice 
to say you're either in favor of the Second Amendment or you want to take everyone's guns away. That's a false choice. Have the courage to say, hey, fine if y'all want to go hunting, but we need reasonable gun safety laws in our country, including universal background checks, including a renewal of the assault weapons ban. Assault weapons were designed to kill a lot of people quickly. There is no reason for them to be available on the streets of a civil society. Senator Kamala Harris, Democrat of California and a presidential candidate uh, coming to us from Las Vegas, Nevada this morning. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jack. Joining me now from Las Vegas, uh, Democratic presidential candidate and senator from Vermont, uh, Bernie Sanders. Uh, Senator, um, under these conditions, it's horrible to to bring you in to talk about this, but thank you for doing so. Um, Two mass shootings in within 13 hours. Uh, You tweeted just a few minutes ago, quote, Mr. President, stop your racist, hateful and anti-immigrant rhetoric. Your language creates a climate which emboldens violent extremists. Could you elaborate on on more uh, what you mean by that tweet? Look, I am sure that President Trump does not want anybody in this country to go around shooting other people. But what he has got to understand is that when you have language that is racist, that is virulently anti-immigrant, there are mentally unstable people in this country who see that as a sign to do terrible, terrible things. So I think the president has got to stop that racism and that xenophobia immediately. Uh, Second of all, um, Jake, uh, I think the issue of the moment is whether the NRA will continue to determine gun policy in America, despite the fact that the overwhelming majority of the American people, gun owners and non-gun owners, want common sense gun safety legislation. So what I have asked Mitch McConnell, Republican leader of the Senate, bring us back to Washington, end the recess right now, and let us sit down and work on the kind of legislation uh, that we need. Uh, The truth of the matter is the the American people uh, want to expand uh, background checks. They want to end the so-called gun show loophole. Uh, They want to, in many cases, ban assault weapons. And my own view is we may want to be thinking about treating assault weapons the same way we treat machine guns today, having very strict license requirements for them. Uh, We want to make sure that we end the process by which people can legally walk into a gun show, buy all of the guns that they want, and then sell those guns uh, to criminal uh, elements. Uh, So there's a lot to be worked on. But I think the American people are sick and tired of the NRA determining gun policy in America. As you know, uh, machine guns in this country are very tightly regulated. It's almost impossible uh, to get one. Uh, You really think that the United States Senate would vote for a measure that would make them as difficult to obtain semi-automatic assault rifles as uh, difficult to obtain as machine guns? Jake, here is the fact. There are somewhere between 5 to 10 million assault weapons on the streets of America today. That is more, unbelievably, than the United States military has. So what we need to do is to sit down together and determine, for a start, clearly, I think, no more sale and distribution of assault weapons, and then figure out how we go forward 
at a time when, you know, it, it's, it doesn't give me a good feeling to say this, but we all know it to be true. There are thousands of people in this country, in every state in America, who are either suicidal or homicidal. That is the sad reality of mental health in America today. And when you have hundreds of millions of guns out there, five to 10 million assault weapons, that is not a good mix. That's not a good combination. So we need to do some bold thinking, but essentially do what the American people want, not what the NRA wants. CNN has learned that a Twitter account linked to the suspected terrorist in El Paso was sharing and retweeting some of President Trump's tweets uh, and postings about the border wall. Now, President Trump has condemned the shooting. Uh, and if that so-called manifesto that's screed by the accused shooter was his, when I believe law enforcement says they think it is his, he does say, I felt this way long before President Trump. But given that, uh, what do you make of the fact that he was retweeting some of President Trump's tweets about the wall and such? Look, I mean, clearly Donald Trump does not want anybody shooting down innocent people. You know, Trump and I disagree on everything, but I'm not going to suggest to you for one second that that is what Trump wants. But what he has to understand in a nation where you have many, many thousands of people who are mentally unstable, that when you talk about invasions and hordes of people, and when you talk about Mexicans as criminals and rapists and the country under siege, you have unstable people who are going to see that as a sign that they have got to take up arms and do the horrific things that we just saw in El Paso. So look, bottom line is, if there is any silver lining in this horrible, horrible, horrible period in American history, it is that all of us, conservatives, progressives, Republicans, Democrats, independents, have got to come together and think our way through this. But the bottom line is, the NRA is way, way, way out of touch with where the American people are on the issue of gun safety. Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump I've got to stand up to the NRA and let's sit down and figure out a path forward that protects the American people. Now, you know, one of the things, Jake, that bothers me so much is that you got kids who will soon be going back to school. And these kids are traumatized by these events. They're worried that when they go into a school, which should be a place of learning, a place where kids are enjoying each other. Uh, and now they're, they're frightened. So don't underestimate the trauma that this has on children and all Americans. This is a major, major issue, and we have got to come together to resolve it. One of your 2020 rivals, uh, Congressman Beto O'Rourke, told me this morning that he believes President Trump is a white supremacist um, or a white nationalist. Do you agree? I do. Look, and it gives me no pleasure to say this, but I think all of the evidence out there uh, suggests that we have a president who is a racist, who is a xenophobe, uh, who appeals and is trying to appeal to white nationalism. Uh, and, you know, it breaks my heart to have to say uh, that this is the person we have who is president of the United States. If you don't mind my asking a personal question, because I know you're not really one for that, but after the Tree of Life shooting, which was also part of this deranged white supremacist theory of Jews bringing in Latinos to commit white genocide on this country so this was no longer a white country. Again, this is an insane conspiracy theory from the far fringes 
of the fever swamps of the Internet. But that was what motivated the Tree of Life terrorist against Jews. You would be the first Jewish president. And I'm wondering if you feel less comfortable, less safe in America today than you did 10 or 20 years ago. Jake, it's not only Jews, and you're right. I I went to that synagogue in Pittsburgh and and, and talked to the rabbi there. And what a horrible shooting that was. It is the African-American community that had to deal with the mowing down of of people in a church in in their community. It is the Muslim community today. Uh, The terrible attack on a mosque in in Australia. I was at a mosque in uh, meeting with Muslim leaders uh, in Los Angeles. It is the Latino community. It is the gay community. And, and I mean, again, this is we can disagree on health care and the environment and educational policies. But there should not be a moment in American history where we have a president who is very deliberately trying to divide us up based on our religion, based on where we came from, based on the color of our skin. That is so un-American. That is so much against everything that I was led to believe, you were led to believe, the American people were led to believe about what this country stands for, you know? And and we have got to get over that. And I hope, I hope that Trump understands that maybe he's got to change the way he is doing things. Uh, And I hope very much that Mitch McConnell will have the courage to bring us back to Washington Mm -hmm. uh, and put together uh, legislation which has the wide support of the American people, This is not radical stuff. This is what the American people want. They want expanded background checks. They want to end the gun show loophole. Mm -hmm. They want to end the straw man provision. Many people want to ban assault weapons. Maybe we should go further. But we have got to come together as a people. and We cannot let the NRA dominate the discussion. Senator Bernie Sanders, thank you so much for joining us on this horrible day. Thank you for having me, Jake. Joining me now, 2020 Democratic presidential candidate and Ohio Congressman Uh, Tim Ryan, Congressman Ryan, uh, your reaction to the mass shootings in El Paso yesterday. And then, of course, you wake up to learn what happened in your home state of Ohio in in Dayton. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's brutal, uh, Jake. I think the whole country is exhausted, uh, scared. I mean, you know, I'm getting calls. We've got kids going to school. Parents are scared to death to send their kids to school. You watch the videos of this and you see Walmart in the background, Dillard's in the background, the churches in the background of some of these shootings. And you think there's no place safe to go. And, and that's eating at us as a country, which is why our part of the reason why our anxiety level uh, is so high. And then, you know, what happened down in, in, in El Paso, with the, you cannot connect You cannot not connect the president of the United States and his rhetoric. I read that manifesto this morning uh, a couple of times, and the the language in there is so similar to the kind of language that you hear at a Trump rally, you see in his tweets. And the president isn't just speaking to, you know, really smart people who are stable at his rallies. He's speaking to the lowest common denominator to where this jackass gets in a a car and drives uh, 10 hours to go kill Latinos and Hispanics and and Mexicans, mostly Mexicans. I mean, he's creating a culture and an environment in which this stuff keeps happening. And we're so dysfunctional. You mentioned it uh, in the last interview. We passed universal background checks. 
out of the House of Representatives. It's sitting at Mitch McConnell's doorstep right now, and he needs to act on it. And this country does need to mobilize and get him to act on it. Earlier in the show, Congressman, uh, your 2020 rival, Beto O'Rourke, said that he thought President Trump uh, was a white nationalist. Uh, I asked Bernie Sanders if he agreed. He said yes. I asked Pete Buttigieg if he agreed. He said at the very least he, he makes white nationalists feel comfortable or words to that effect. What do you think? Is President Trump a white nationalist? Well, the white nationalists think he's a white nationalist. <laughs> and that's that's the crux of the problem. Uh, they support him. The David Dukes of the world uh, support him. They said he's going to implement their agenda. That's all you need to know. And it's causing uh, killings happening here in the United States. And it's created a toxic uh, culture now in the United States around the immigration issue, around now, now around the gun issue. Uh, and, and he has to bear responsibility. And you know, more than anything, laws and executive orders, presidents of the United States, they create culture. And that culture can say, we're going to reach for the stars and we're going to go to the moon. Or that culture can be, you know, go back to where you came from. Uh, or you come from a shithole country. I mean, th- those are two different examples. What kind of country do we want? And we have got to mobilize. Qu- people cannot be quiet anymore. And I'm not saying we got to yell and scream. I'm saying we've got to act. And people who are on the sidelines, who want to kind of ignore the toxicity that's happening, have got to step up so we can actually start getting some stuff done. You used to have an A rating from the NRA, um, and you have changed your views. Why did you change your mind on supporting further restrictions on gun ownership? Because I'm a living, breathing adult who is awake and watching what's happening and could no longer watch the inaction uh, happening. I come from a state like Ohio where you know, we, we have a sportsman's culture, we hunt. And so that's kind of where I started uh, politically, but watching kids get killed in schools and watching the nightclubs and and what happened in Nevada, I I didn't want anything to do with it. Not only do I have an F rating now, uh, I gave every dollar that I got from the NRA to the gun control groups, uh, because I want them to have the resources they need to continue to push uh, this message out. And and we've got to activate. We're uh, starting to have conversations, Jake, with some of these groups about a national vigil tomorrow night, about eight o'clock, uh, where the whole country goes out, buy candles, go to your town square, you know, get your priest, get your pastor. Let's go out and let the world know that this is unacceptable. We're not going to yell and scream. I think we should do 29 minutes of silence one minute for each of the victims uh, that were killed in the last two days. I certainly invite all of the other presidential candidates to help communicate this with with their uh, email lists and all the people that we're always asking them for money and asking them to do things. Let's do a national vigil tomorrow night with 29 minutes of silence and start the process of healing this country. Jake, this is it, this is just exhausting for everybody and, and we've got to do something about it. And I think we should start immediately uh, bringing this country together. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.